Hey, it's Jason Cunningham and welcome back to Save My Business, the podcast dedicated to helping business owners navigate through the proverbial shitstorm. Now, today's guest is a superstar. His name is Mark Castanini, aka The Hammer. Now, this guy has got a bit of a story to tell and it's got a few lessons in it for all of us. Now, I'll take you back to his early career where he won the World Kickboxing Association Australian Cruiserweight title. Um, he began life uh, in Kyokushin Karate, and I've no doubt I've pronounced that incorrectly, moved into doing a bit of Muay Thai, and, you know, really well known for one of Australia's first MMA fighters. I'm slightly nervous being in his company, I'll be honest with you, I'm 15 metres away from him, uh, and am running backwards as we speak. But not only that, he's moved into commentating, he's one of Fox Sports' uh, superior commentators in the fight game. He runs and promotes his own fights. Um, he's been a head of public, uh, publications at Blitz Publications. He's had his own TV show, Hammer Time. Um, you guessed it, on, at Fox Sports. He's previously been an upholsterer and runs an amazing, successful business known as Hammer's Gym at Nunawanning. Mark Castanini, aka The Hammer, welcome, pal. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me in. The beautiful office is here. I'm looking around. I'm quite impressed. <laughs> Hammer, it's good to see you again. I remember the last time I saw you, there was a few people you were chasing down the street. Um, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> Hammer, before we kick things off, I've been meaning to ask you this question for a long time, but I've been too nervous too, yeah. and I don't want you to demonstrate why, but can you tell us why you're called the Hammer? Um, it's a, yeah, a bit of a funny story. I, I, in the early days of fighting, I mean, I, as, you, as you alluded to earlier, I started in traditional martial arts and there's no fanfare in any of that. Uh, full contact bare knuckle karate kukushin for the uninitiated. Uh, it's a very brutal style of, uh, of martial art uh, karate. Um, but then uh, through, through various hand injuries, because you're fighting bare knuckles, so uh, I, I busted up my hand pretty badly in, in a tournament. So I had to move. My, my doctor said, you know, you, you, you've got to move into a sport that's, you know, gloves or give it up or whatever, you know. So I, I thought I'd attempt a bit of kickboxing. Um, I got invited to uh, – someone invited me. Well, I used to – used to. long story short, I used to be a bouncer as well in my in – my, I, I worked three jobs pretty much all my life. One of them was bouncing. Um, one of the punters at one of the clubs knew I was a bit of a martial artist and come up to the door of, of a club I was running and he goes, oh, you think you're pretty good? Enter this. Handed me a flyer for a, a Muay Thai tournament. Or Bob Jones who was running, you know, fight nights or fight days. And uh, I was in between styles at that point, so to speak, because I couldn't fight bare knuckle anymore. So I thought, you know, throw on a pair of gloves and give it a go. So rolled up, Preston Town Hall, um, registered. And uh, I think I got runner-up in the heavyweight division. Pretty much had my head punched off my shoulders because Kukushin um, doesn't have a lot of head striking it's yeah. because of the bare knuckle aspect. Most of the striking is is to the body, or you know, um, not to the face. You can kick to the face, but you can't punch to the face. So there's some sort of uh, logic in that. And I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't question it. I just did it. So um, yeah. Anyway, so I entered uh, entered this tournament. Got got placed quite well. You know, come to the attention of Bob Jones. He invited me to to train with the Bob Jones Corporation, um, and that's sort of how I started, you know, my journey into the, the kickboxing and the Muay Thai. And from subsequently from there, I, I had you know boxing fights to keep busy. Um, and to, to get back to your question on how I got the name the Hammer. So once I started fighting uh, kickboxing, you know, various fighters had monikers, and I'm standing on the door one night, and one of the doormen with me is like. What's your, what's your fight name? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, you know? and he goes, oh, you've got to you fight kickboxing. You've got to have a fight name. And I'm like, got no idea. And he goes, 
I reckon we'll call you the hammer because you hammer things. And it's, you can take that whatever way you want. It was security, the eighties. Everyone was having a lot of fun. So, but yeah, it was. Um, so that was it. Just just one of the boys on the door gone. You know, basically said, you know, you got you got uh, you know you you go all right. So. You know, you just they give me that name, and it sort of stuck. It's it's usually the way the with the Australian uh, Aussie vernacular and yeah. the way things stick. You know, people have got these amazing nicknames, and often they're just from some random punter that said, "All right, we're going to call you the Hammer." Yeah. Away you go. Tell me this: um, I'm intrigued with martial arts. I studied martial arts as a kid, and then as a as a younger adult, and some would argue that I'm still growing up now, the <laughs> at the prime young age of 47, but. One of the things that martial arts, so I studied Shotokan karate, strike first, strike hard, and then did um, another style when I was a bit older. But one of the things that karate teaches you is the art of discipline. And, and you know, I, I thought as a kid learning karate, the reason that I would learn it is so that I could stick up for myself and, and learn self-defense. And, and, you know, from there as a young pubescent teenager was be able to belt up kids in the playground. But in actual fact, what it does is it teaches you the art of self-discipline. Yeah, let, let me, I love this question. Thank you. Thank you for, for raising it. So why martial arts? Let me, let me say this to, to everyone listening. Martial arts has made me the person I am. Mm. Um, I was an introvert. I was a loner. I had anger issues because of, you know, uh, uh, my father, my father was, was killed when I was five years old. Oh, wow. My stepfather um, was very much a disciplinarian. Um, he was an ex-military man. He was a matador in uh, Portugal and Spain. He was in the war in Angola in Africa, and he was a no-bullshit sort of guy. So I was brought up quite hard, um, and you know he didn't didn't he wasn't one of these guys that will tell you he loves you. I never never said it to me in his life. You know he he was a you know it was always tough love. You know um, there was never any compliments given as a child to me. Um, there was never any positives in my life as a young man at all, um, which as a, as a teenager and in you know, my late teens, early 20s, you know, I used to work as an upholsterer, as you said earlier. Um, uh, you know, we did some big jobs. So my, my stepfather and I, you know, we, we, did a, uh, we upholstered a box that was presented to the Queen of England when she oh. came to Australia years ago. It was made out of Australian oak or whatever it was, and, and uh, the inside of it was aligned with uh, kangaroo hide. Wow. So, you know, I've done work for John Elliott, and the, the older listeners might yeah, remember yeah. John. He was the president of the Carlton Football Club. Jack Chia, who was a very rich Melbourneian Chinese man. Uh, yeah, we, we worked at the upper echelon of, of Melbourne society in, in the antique restoration and upholstery. Mm-hmm. But my life was working six days a week, 12 hours a day in our shopping queue. Um, and then on Sunday, my, my day off was for cleaning the backyard, picking up the dog poo, washing cars getting ready for the week ahead. Yeah. Um, so my, my upbringing was very strict and very traditional. Wasn't allowed to go out, had no friends. That was all a waste of time. I was quite, quite a good footy player when I was a kid, but as I said, um, you know, it was all about getting a trade and, and making something of yourself as a young man for, with, with a, I suppose, a, an ethnic background. So <clears throat> as I got into my late teens, early 20s, I become very negative on life. Um, and, you know, people talk about, suicide and this and that and I, I you know I had dark thoughts and you know I, I sort of I read a book called The Plus Factor when I was young just by chance you know my stepdad's idea of entertainment while we were working was to listen to the ABC 
parliament, you know, 3LO actually I think it was back in the day. But on that, you know, with that, as, as a teenager, like, man, if I hear any more opera and more politics, I'm going to neck myself. So, you know, but uh, there was a, a, an author that come on there and he was talking about this book he launched called The Plus Factor and, and it just really resonated with me. So I went out and I wasn't a big reader. I wasn't a good, you know, I left school in year 10, you know. Mm. My, my story was, you know, I'd come home from school, end of, end of school year, you know, and the old man's gone, how old are you? And I'm like, 15. He goes, how old you got to be to leave school? I go, 16. He goes, close enough, start work next year with me. So that was it. So I started work, did the trade, you know, as I said, listening in the workroom, little, little, you know, probably four by four metre workroom, two men in there working, you know, doing our couches and chairs, whatever else we were working on, listen to the ABC, this author come on. This book was all about, self-confidence and empowering yourself which is very you know at the time was just what I needed mm. I read the book and there were some really good key strategies there on how to how to block out negativity you know someone's talking to you negative you know imagine putting on like a motorbike helmet nothing gets through you don't hear any of the negativity there's little simple little strategies from memory mm. but it really changed my perception on how I perceive myself and you know without going too much into detail I was looking at you know, not continuing my life as a young man, if that makes sense. And that was pretty, I knew what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't asking for pity. I wasn't telling anyone I was going to do it. Um, I just thought, this is not for me, this life. But, um, gee whiz, Mark, that's a pretty dark well, that, place. That was, mate. that was where I was. You know, I, I, you know, I used to come home. I remember as being 18, 19, 20, I'd, I'd, we'd work on a Saturday, we'd work on a Saturday night till seven, eight, nine o'clock. And we'd be driving home, you know, down on Bellwood Highway, wherever it was that we were going. And as I was coming home, I'd see carloads of people the same age of me going out. Yeah. And they were in the cars. I still remember it, you know, get quite emotional. Mm. You know, laughing and, you know, young girls and young guys together. And I was like, man, I've worked all day. I'm going home. I've got to sit in my room. And I, you know, watch, you know, my big Saturday night was get a bag of, you know, get a bag of potato chips and soft drink and watch telly and go to sleep and get ready for Sunday. and Bit of my, Hey Hey at Saturday or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, watch Hey Hey at Saturday, you know, have try and get a bit of enjoyment out of that. How old were you when you got into martial arts then? Uh, I, I did it as, sort of covertly when I was younger because, as I said, you know, I was told, well, sports are a waste of time. Mm. There was one one kid when I, I went to Northcote Tech, which is pretty rough and ready school back mm. in the day. Um, and one of the one of the guys, one of the kids I, I was at school with, his dad was a martial arts instructor, judo instructor. Did a little bit with him, yep. you know. After school, we'd go and we'd play a little bit, and then uh, and then I stopped, you know. Um, and then I got back into it again uh, when I was around twenty one. So that's when I left home. So my, you know, as I said, you know, I, I had all this stuff. My life wasn't going well, and then I, I just thought I have to change it. I have to change it, and I went home. Uh, I, I I bought a car. I got a car initially when I was young, you know, and it was a, a big thing for me because the old man was like, well, you work at home. Oh, sorry, you live at home. You work with me. You get all your food. You got your board. You don't need money. 70 bucks a week will do you. <laughs> so I had to save. So I had no money, but I saved for years and I had enough money to get a car. I bought a car. I was given one day off. And on that, one of those first drives I did with my new car, I went and rented a flat. So I went oh, and wow. I went to I rented a flat in North Caulfield, unbeknown to my folks. Mm. I went home. I said, "Oh, how's your day? You went for a drive?" I said, "Yeah, actually, um, I'm gonna. I've got a place. I'm gonna I want to move into my own place." And the old man, with, there's a Mr. Beat, and he's gone. Well, you leave the house, you leave the job. So good luck. So I was out of home. I was out of work. 
and that, my life was about to begin. And that was when the real fun started. So. Mark, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. Our family of origin uh, often shapes who we become. And, yeah. uh, and I say this respectfully, you know, you, you have situations where there's a son of an alcoholic and he might become an alcoholic or he's just right off the grog, right? And, yeah. and different people with their makeup uh, react differently to that upbringing. Now, I hear a story like that, a pretty harsh story. Yeah. Uh, a disciplinarian, uh, sorry, the son of a disciplinarian, ex-military guy, worked you to the bone, yeah. right? You could have gone one or two ways, Mark. Yeah, I could have. And, but yeah, everyone's and, got a sad story. No well, one cares. So. <laughs> isn't, that, I mean? isn't that true? And and I, I'm keen to explore it a bit deeper. And I know that you know when I listen to this, I, I, I'm going to recall and have flashbacks of this conversation. Yeah. I I, I say this respectfully uh, yeah. and cutting to the chase. Have you have you reconciled with your father or your stepfather? Yeah. That's well. That's he. He unfortunately um, <coughs> passed away just over a year ago. Um, and and uh, so I want to I want to get back to the martial arts the impetus of the question you asked about the martial arts. The martial arts for me. So moving on, I got my I moved out of home. I lost my job. Got into you know various other activities. You know, I've never worked one job in my life. I've always worked minimum three, two or three. Well, that's when he's paying you seventy bucks a week, you know. <laughs> and you know, I I did that, um, and I got back into the martial arts, and that changed my life. Martial arts has given me give me strength, give me um, resilience. You know, you're taught via martial arts not to give up. That's the key. You know, it's the key to everything in life. Mm. You, you, we're all, we're all going to have a bad day. You have bad days, you know, I've, I've driven to training. I've got I sat in my car and I'm like, man, I'm so tired. I'm fried. Got to go in now and, and smack on, you know, punch on. It's like, but you know what? I never regret it because I know once I get out of my car, haul my ass out of the car, get onto the mat, move around, shadow box, I'm 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 on. You're you know? in your zone. You're in your once. Yeah, it's just a matter of pushing on. Everyone has a, you know this this whole thing of stay motivated and yeah, have a great day. It's, it's all bullshit. Everyone has bad days. It's what you do when you have a bad day that matters. So you can you can wallow in self pity. Um, or you can just go. You know what? It's a bad day. Tomorrow will be better. I just got to get through this one. It's like it's like in a fight. You, you may not win every round, but if you have one bad round and you throw the towel, you're never going to win that fight. Mm. So you you will have a bad round. You will have a bad day. You will have a bad month. 2020. We're having a bad year. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you can't just chuck it, chuck the towel, and go. Well, that's it. You know. And and. Going back to what I was talking about in my early life, I nearly chucked the chucked the towel on my life because I was having a bad, I was having a pretty bad time of it when I was younger. But you know, by pushing through, and I've I've had so many wonderful experiences, met so many wonderful people, and done so many great things that I appreciate greatly now. It's just a matter of having that resilience to never give up, and it's a bit cliche, but it's life. You know, if you, you know, I, I, I did many, my corporate years, I did many business seminars and, you know, it was all about mindset. And there was one thing that really stuck with me. A guy goes, you know what, you can get up, get up, get out of bed. The day's about to start. You walk to the end, you bang, you hit your foot on the end of the bed. Fuck. You can get your coffee and you spill your coffee and it's like, fuck, it's going to be one of those days. Mm. Well, you'll make it one of those days if you tell yourself. Yeah. But, you know, these things happen. Mm. Don't, don't blow things out of proportion. Keep things in perspective. 
man, I, I, you know, I've been married twice. I've, gone, I've had two divorces. I've had, you know, I've, I've had failed businesses and I've never given up. You know, you, just because you have a failure doesn't mean that's the end of anything. Yeah. Just because you have a bad round in a fight doesn't mean you're going to lose that fight. Yeah. You just have to regroup, learn from your mistakes and come back harder and better. That's what the fighting and martial arts has taught me. I'll go to training some nights when I was, when I was a junior or, or younger and I'll just be on and I'm kicking and punching like I'm in a movie. And then I'll go to training the next night and I'll be the, the punching bag. Might as well wrap me in red vinyl and hang me from a chain because everyone's <laughs> punching me up. You know what I'm saying? That's so, your pulse <laughs> reading coming out, right? See that? <laughs> Make sure the stitching's, uh, you know, double. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you, you will have good and bad days. And in training, you're, you, you, and this is what I tell all my, my students, don't think you're going to come to training every night and dominate. Mm. And don't think you're going to come to training every night and have bad nights. You'll have good and you'll have bad. So the similarity in life is you'll have good and bad, mm. you know, and, and you, that's what the, the martial arts and, and I think most training, you know, most training um, sessions you should take that. Some days you'll go to the gym and you'll lift great, you'll feel great, you know. Other days you'll, you'll be tired and zapped and maybe nutrition's off and mm. you'll have worry and you, you won't have the best training session or, you know, footy. You know, some days there's footy players that get best on ground. There's next week... They play like Muppets. Why? It's the same person. It's the same bi- you know, <laughs> biological person there. They've got the same. <laughs> I heard, I heard same. once it's, you know, so much has got to do with mindset. You spoke earlier about mindset. And I heard um, a woman speak who's done some work, some, uh, a power of work with uh, the Richmond Footy Club. Yeah. Her name escapes me. Uh, I, I think it's Emma Murray is her name. I know she, I know Ben Crow does a bit of work there as well. And she talks about mindset in your A game and your B game. And she said, everyone's got an A game and everyone's got a B game. Yeah. And she, her, she argues that the biggest challenge is if you're, how do you get into that A game mentality, right? And, you know, listening to you and I, it's almost like you're reading ahead the questions that I've, uh, uh, that I've written down. But I, because one of the questions I wanted to ask you, yeah. and, I, and I do this often, when I, when I, when I talk to business owners, I, I reckon business owners can glean a lot from elite sporting teams into business. And you run a, an amazingly successful uh, business out there um, in Nunawanning, Hammers Gym. What have you now? Is that on um, the highway? The White Horse Road. Yeah, White Horse Road. Yeah, yeah. So I'm driving. So if I come off, turn left. Uh, I'm on Springvale Road. I turn left, uh, go along. You're on the right hand side. We're there. Right. Yeah, we're yeah. right opposite Nunawanning Toyota, and you yeah. know where the Golden Mile is with all the furniture stores and all. They were right next door to Bunnings. So and Billy Hyde's on the other side of us. So we're, there's some pretty iconic brands in that yeah. in that strip there, yeah. and we're right on there. Yeah. T- tell me, what have you taken out of the ring? And from training, and what principles have you approached in your business life? I know I'm getting the impression the first one is just never give up. Yeah, well, look, you know, work hard. You know, you can't succeed as a fighter if you don't work hard. It's not the stuff that you do in the fight that matters. It's the stuff you do before the fight. It's the preparation. You know, you want to start a business. What do you have to do? You got to, you know, you've got to do your projections. You've got to do, you know, your, your analysis, your, bus- your business yeah. analysis. Yeah. You've got to do, you know, P and L's, and you know, figure out what, what's my what's my bottom line. What's my yeah? You know, what's my my goals? You know, in training, it's the same. You you have to do that preparation. It's what you do away from the spotlight that matters. It's cliche, but it's true. Um, and in business, it's the same. You know, we, we talk about this recent COVID situation, you know, I was in there scrubbing the weights. So it's like, oh, we closed down. Oh, what am I going to do? 
we can't do nothing about it. It's it's a global thing. Yeah. You know, I can sit at home and, and go, get on the conspiracy theories and we're all going to be microchipped and Bill <laughs> Gates. Is, you, you can do all of that. But, yeah. And you know what? And what about it? What about if all these conspiracy theories are true? What about that? You know what we've got to do? Still got to make a living. Don't care. Got to do what I've got to do. Stick a microchip in me. I don't care. I'm still going to make money. <laughs> you know, I'm still going to provide the best I can for my family. You know, whatever. I cannot. Con- I can only control things that I can control. What I can't control is is sometimes the outside forces. If a flood happens and my gym gets washed out, I just got to make it better. If if something happens outside of my environment that I cannot control, well, that's just bad luck. Pick yourself up and and start swinging again and do the best you can. So, you know, the resilience it comes back to that. You're right. It comes back to that resilience that I've always had to have in my life. I had to have that resilience from an early age just to get myself out of the funk I was in as a kid. You know, I started martial arts going back to that because I was so void of any sort of feelings that I was, as I said, alone. I was pretty numb to any sort of emotion. And I found emotion through fighting because, you know, getting hit. Yeah. <laughs> you feel pain, you feel something. And that I was just glad to be feeling something yeah. because I was numb to everything else. So, you know, coming through all, you know, the hardness of I suppose the emotional challenges I had young as a youngster made me be more resilient to what society throws at me today. Yeah, right. And I'm being challenged at this point. You know, when I when I planned where my gym was, I did my due diligence. I I made sure there was nothing in the area because I didn't want to compromise or I didn't want to I didn't want to I didn't want to threaten anyone else's business. I'm not going to open my gym in an attempt to attack someone else's, you know, into IP or you know, I think they're doing well, so I'm going to open up next to them. So I I strategically picked where I was going to open my gym. There was nothing else around the area. Well, other people have gone. Geez, he's doing well. Let's go and open the gym right next door to him. And, and you know, there's a, there's a couple of stories in there that I, I won't go into, but some people I even knew quite well have, have tried to attack my business model and my business. Mm. Opening nearby, copying what I do, copying my marketing. As they say, when they say, you know, uh, when they say you know, someone copies you is a great form of flattery. Yeah, compliment. Yeah. I think screw them. They should come up with their own ideas. You know, so, you know, but nevertheless. No, it's, it's almost like you've read ahead when I went to the bathroom because uh, I've written here, what did you do? What, what, how do you deal with your competitors? And I know you pulled the hammer. I'm a bit nervous. I wouldn't be opening a gym next door to you, that's for sure. Hey, tell me this, Mark. Um, your outlook on life is 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 fantastic and and – I've been reading a book by Matthew McConaughey, of all people. Yep. Oh, well, when I say reading, listening to his audio book, it's called Green Lights and it's, it's amazing. And he talks about his upbringing and he talks about this green, amber and, and, and red lights and he's all about turning the amber and like, like a stop sign, right? Green, go, amber, be cautious and, and red, stop. And he, also, he always talks about, I think it's a stop sign, but in actual fact, it's a green light hidden yep. right, in, in a red light. And I'm listening to you tell me your story and your upbringing and the amount of times you got knocked down and beaten around the head and all this sort of stuff, you know, and I find it intriguing that you say, yeah, getting punched in the face helped me regain my emotions. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And I know that martial arts has had a fair bit to do with it and I, if I can relate, 
I remember the first time I went to karate and my father took me to karate. It was in a school hall, which is often where a lot of the yeah, dojos exactly. are. Yep, yep. And on the wooden floorboards and the and the sensei said, all right, let's do our push-ups on your knuckles. On your knuckles, yeah. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, I'm happy on carpet, you know what I mean? <laughs> and just the things that they take. I, I remember we went on a karate camp and we ran in the beach and ran in the water in our geese. Yeah. You know what I mean? I bought my bathers, right? Yeah. And they go, no, no, you wear your gee. And you wash your gee and yeah, you hang it up. It. And, yeah. and you put it on wet the next day. Oh, yeah. this, let me just allude to that, first of all, because that brings back a lot of memories for me. Yeah. Number one, the karate hall. Yes, Elwood. Yeah. I, I, I trained uh, with uh, uh, my karate instructor, Xian Edie in Kyokushin in Elwood. He was one of the pioneers of martial arts in, in Australia. Mm. And it was like, I roll up. And he's like, all right, I'm right here. And he's like, all right, clean the floor. Like, what do you mean? Like, Grab that towel. There wasn't no broom. It was like you run up and down the dojo floor mm. with a towel. We used to do that too. Yeah, yeah. And, it's like, and it was like if I asked any kid to do that today, I'm clean the floor. They're looking at me like I'm an axe murderer and I'm, I'm a yeah. child abuser. Yeah. It's like get a grip these days. People are too fucking soft. Sorry, excuse my language. No, but no, we, 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 just, well, we welcome <laughs> the French on this podcast, mate. <laughs> it grinds my gears, the sensitivity and the bullshit around you know, the stuff today is just, it really drives me bananas. And I think if people are, if people are so sensitive, mm. you create more sensitivity. Not, you know, I'm no, trying, I'm trying right. to, no, to verbalise this. You do, you do. You know, you, I'm not saying to be over, overly, um, you know, emotionally Hi. unavailable or any of that stuff. But you know what, there's a, there's a middle ground and I think, you know, it's what they say, the silent majority now. I think a lot of people listening to this may go, yeah, fucking he's right. But they'll never say it because you'll be accused of being racist or sexist or fucking something other cyst. So, you know, <laughs> it's like there's just, it's the, 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 one of my mates who runs security these days, he was telling me the other day, he goes, I was on the door and I said, guys, can you, guys, can you please line up mm. against in one single line and space? And a couple of people popped out of line. He goes, we're offended by that. We don't identify as male. You can't call us guys. And I'm like, I would last two minutes doing security these days. Oh, because, yeah. <laughs> the, the hammer in Mark Castanetti <laughs> might come out. Hey, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I glean a lot of advice from my father. Yeah. Uh, he, he grew up, uh, he, my old man's 72 years old, and uh, he was a bit uh, rough around the edges, yeah. so to speak. And, old school. Uh, yeah, he was old school. and. He used to tell me a story when he was growing up um, uh, that if they were congregating, my old man grew up in Pascaval and Coburg, yeah. and if, if you grew up, if you were congregating on the street corners, they used to call them the bodgy squad, the coppers would come around yeah. and say, boys, go home, or you cop a flogger. Yeah. And if they saw him again, the coppers would belt him. Yeah. Now, what the, I mean, now, I'm not condoning violence, uh, although in your company I will, <laughs> uh, but what Dad would say is that form of discipline stopped a lot of other problems happening. Now, now the police are uh, dealing with all sorts of stuff where Coppers are arresting crooks yep. and using strong arm tactics because that's the only language they understand. And you know that backlash. And you and I could go on that for for hours, but we're here to talk about business. What I yeah. what I what I'm keen. I think to- I think it's I think you're right, and it goes back to you know I still look at respecting people. My my saying at my gym, my my martial arts gym is, fear none, respect all. Yeah. I'll respect everybody. Doesn't matter who it is. But no one's going to make me scared. Yeah. You can't be you can't go in through life, you know, living life in fear is not living at all. And that might be from 
you know, you're fearful of things going go wrong or this or that. You, you have to have, you know, you can't, you can't have, you know, and in business paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Don't analyze a new business idea to the point where it never happens. Mm. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of dimension to this. But going back to the respect all thing, I think to, to round this off, it's about, in martial arts, it's about respecting seniors, respecting higher ranks. It's yeah. a hierarchical system like the military. You have to respect the person there. The brown and, and, belt respects uh, yeah, the black belt, yeah, the blue uh, belt correct. respects the brown belt, because and the black belt respects yeah, the sensei. Yeah, because yeah. they've done the hard yards. And I yeah. say, you've got to give the high ranks respect because they've done things that you haven't done. And in this world, I think you have to give elderly people respect because they've lived a life. You can't say, oh, I'll do this or that. Well, they've lived what you haven't. Have you lived to 80? Do you know what they've been through? So don't disrespect anyone that's older than you because whether you like it or not, they've probably lived a life more so than you have. So I'm a big one on respecting as I'm getting older too. I, I sort of command that too. I don't, I'm not going to take shit from someone that's half my age. or yeah. you know, I, I'll, I'll take knowledge and I listen and I absorb everything. But you know, when, I'm, when I've got a, a 22-year-old Instagrammer telling me you know, how to motivate my life <laughs> when they've lived at home with mum and dad, it's like, please, spare me, you know. Let's just, let's just be real with what we're doing and show me what challenges you've had in your life that you've got through that have earned you your stripes. Mate, Mark, in fear of pissing you off, because I know you hate a cliche, right? And that's been learned in the first 25 minutes or whatever. But the... the you are the epitome of don't judge a book by its character. Who would have thought the 1995 Australian cruiserweight champion would be dropping that many quotes and that many life-changing? It's markets outstanding. And I'm still at least 15 yards away from you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give you a hug before we go because we're going to break this, uh, this. No, we're this not hugging nothing. Down. You know, I don't want any ribs broken, right? You know, when he's telling me the story about the bare-knuckle fighting, I was thinking about Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know when he rubbed his knuckles in the broken glove? Was that a kickboxer or whatever? Outstanding stuff. <laughs> Mark, um, firstly, thank you for oh, what pleasure. you've shared so far. Pleasure. And I'm not letting you go. Absolutely. All right. Unless you want to go, you can no. walk freely out the door. <laughs> and I'm anywhere. having to stand in a line <laughs> and do whatever the fuck you say. No, just playing a game. <laughs> Tell me how you lead your team. So you're in, you're in a gym. Yep. Right. All of us have been through it this year. You know, no one's hurt as much. Mm. As gym owners, yeah. whether you're a, uh, a MMA gym, whether you uh, yeah. whether you're Doherty's, we've yeah. got um, yeah. big Tony Doherty Tony coming Yip. on soon, and yep. whatever. No one's heard as much as gyms. I'm keen to hear how have you led your team? How do you lead your team before, during, and post? And what are some of the things you did to make a quid? Let me tell you. You know, how, how did I get through? Because I've always, I've always had a mentality of have a war chest, have savings, and you know, when business is good sort of make hay, but also make bank, you know. So since I opened, we, we, we you know, and before, you know, had some good times, had some good, good profitable, you know, you know, quarters or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, and rather than go off and waste it on extravagance, I invested it back into the business. And I, since I opened the business, and I've had a, I've had a couple of failures. You know, one one nightclub I opened, I got into the nightclub game. I owned a club called Area Sixty One, which is in Fitzroy Street, St Kilda. I learned a lot of valuable lessons out of that. I lost about two fifty k when I shut it up, and that was some years ago. Um, but I, I learned it was a two hundred fifty thousand dollar you know uh, course in in marketing and everything else to do with business that I needed to do. Yeah. At the time, I didn't understand it, and I really hurt. Yeah, and I had to start from scratch, which I've done a couple of times in my life. But it doesn't matter because now. I knew when I opened my, my gyms, do it right the first time, don't skimp, 
um, put everything into it. You get one chance to make a first impression, all of that. So, but moreover, I thought bad times can come and from areas that you may not expect. So my theory was always, I want to have a year of income in the bank so that if something happens to me or something happens to the business, I'm sweet. So that little you know, war chest really helped me out. You know, it's funny. We, uh, one of the things that we share with our clients when we're helping them grow their businesses and we talk about the role of the director, and we, we talk about the role of the director should be broken down into four key categories. And, yes. and you've touched on one of them. And the categories are leadership, growth, protection, and space. And you've spoken about that protection yeah. piece where the level of comfort that you've got is having a year's worth of income sitting in the bank. That's your protection strategy. Correct. And from a person that uh, studied karate, you know, it is a bit of protection. Stand back, watch yourself, and wait to strike, and in I go. You know what I mean? Tell me how, Mark, you lead your team. Okay, well, this is, this is again, another interesting question. So, all right, so financially, I was like, okay, this is not a good situation. We're getting shut down. Who would have seen that coming last year? I must admit, I went to my doctor, Dr. Peter Lewis in Malvern, who's also a martial artist, but he's also a, a pioneer of PRP treatments and sporting injuries. He's been my sports medicine doctor for 30 years since I was competing. And I went to him because I've got a fighter that we, we traveled to Europe, we fought in China, we fought in Europe, you know, last year undefeated. So he's, he's world ranked. And we had to travel to um, Belgium. I went to Peter in February or, or late January, early February. I go, Pete, what do you think this pandemic? He goes, let me tell you, you're not going anywhere. Airlines are going to go broke. Country's going to get shut down. And I'm like, he's lost it. He's taken some of his own medication. This bloke's gone out the back, popped some of his own pills and gone a little bit mad. But you know what? What a profit. Like he nailed it. When he said airlines are going broke, I'm like, this is, mm. you know, some CBD oils had a little bit of some extra in it here. But he nailed it all. So I went back and I told my father, I said, I, I can't go overseas because my mum's my elderly and I care for her now. I'm like, I, I don't want to be stark. And then lo and behold, look what happened. Yeah. So going back to that, sorry, to, to digress. So it was the, forever the unforeseen, and this will be a time we all remember for the rest of our lives without a doubt. Now, I went to the gym and from that moment on, I thought if there's any if there's any truth in any of this, and there was a pattern, and there was a, there's a website called Worldometer, Worldometer, and on that gives you basically hourly updates on coronavirus world cases. So I started checking that, and I'm like, this thing's this thing's kicking off, mm. and that was all from that conversation with the doc. So then I started to go back and you know, take that information and, and make sure you employ it in, into your business strategy, not as a throwaway thing. Mm. Evaluate and then execute. So. I evaluated it and I thought, we've got to be ready because if things go sideways, what are we going to do? So I started, that started to prime my thought process. So my fighter, was that, he's, he's thought, I've lost the plot too. He's still really getting ready to go. We, we had a big event to fight. You know, had a big event, international event to, to, to be on. Um, then obviously that got, that got canned um, and then the, the wheels started falling off everything basically in, in Australia. So... Um, you know, when we got shut down, we knew what was coming and then uh, I got my staff together and I said, look, you know, we're going to get shut down. This is not something we can do anything about. Uh, let's all rally around. This is a good time for us to repaint, you know, clean up, you know, work on things aside, you know, redo our, our online content. Like I straight away went into, I can't do this, so I've got to do that. Yeah. What else can we do? You know, pivoting, pivot is the is the word of 2020, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and with it, you know, we... 
I suppose in my own way, I thought, well, what can we do? At that point, now we talk about staff, and this is, this is where my old school mentality comes into it. I wanted to sit back and see who was in the fight with me. Yeah, you know, right. there's people that will always be there for the high fives, but who's going to be there for the hard work? Mm. And that's, that's, that was at that point, there was probably two staff that I thought, they're going. I'm like, can you come in? Oh, I don't know, this and that. Oh, how much am I going to get? I'm like, that's not what I want to hear now. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, look, I'll give people bonuses. I take them out. We party together, you know. Let's go to dinners. Let's do, we do all of that, you know, all that motivating shit you've got to do these days. Mm to keep people just to do what they're supposed to, what they're being paid to do anyway. Don't go back there, Mark. I'm <laughs> telling you, telling you, the hair on the back of the neck it. it's, it's kicking up, it. it's kicking off. No. <laughs> so anyway, out. so I've, I've had, um, I've had, I had some people that really, you know, stood up and backed me and were there. And then there's other people that are no longer part of my business. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, there's, there's been, there's been some real revelations this year because some of the people that I thought that I've given a lot to have disappeared. Probably not much in my life anymore, to be honest with you. Other people I hardly knew just have come forward and gone, mate, what do you need? Let's in times of adversity, that's where the real You know what? Well, it's so, it's, and I've, I've you know, you I'm know, still learning. You know, to pitch an it. analogy from footy, it's easy to be patting each other on the ass when you're 10 goals up. Correct, correct. What happens when you're 10 goals down going exactly. into the third quarter? Kicking into a ten goal breeze, yeah. you know that's the true testament of a of a team and, a, and of a leader. What? Tell me this: What are you going to do different in twenty twenty one? What have you learned from twenty twenty that you can take into the yep. future? I mean, sure, there's going to be elements of your business that are going to be the same, but yep. what have you taken? Because you're a bloke that sees um, the good in life as opposed to the negative. Yeah. You know, what are you going to take into the future? I think not to be complacent with regards to targets, and you know. We are still in uncertain times, you know. What's going to happen in March? I mean, there's always been this, you know, watching the news last night, they saying, well, Australia's in recession, but now we're out of recession and everything's looking great. Well, is it? What's the deficit? What's the, what's the fallout of all of this? Yeah. You know, there's pe- I've got people in hospitality, good friends, ringing staff going, can you come back to work? And they're like, no, nah, we'll come back in March. Yeah, when JobKeeper you runs know, out. Like, what's going to happen when JobKeeper, you know, run, runs out? I hope that everything keeps going well. I honestly do. But I'm going to, you know, as a, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's my analogy. So with regards to staff and, and, and how I'm going to manage them, they're going to, they're going to dictate to me what, what I'm going to give to them. My business, and, and through, let me tell you something, 22 years of publishing, I've ran sales teams, I've ran editorial teams, I've ran graphic design teams, I've overseen printing divisions. Big, we, we had a, a pumping magazine publishing business. Would you do a magazine today? Who's buying a magazine today? Yeah, no one. Look at how the golden years of, you know, we, there was magazines, you know, we were running back in the day, we we're making 100000 a month in advertising, you know, really. And these were niche magazines. They're not even mainstream magazines. You know, we were, there was money hand over fist. Publishing was booming, you know, and look how that world's changed. But going back to the staff thing, one thing I learned back then, we sometimes we put up with staff that we didn't need to put up with. You know, we just, we sucked it up and like, oh, they're all right. We'll just, you know, but I've never replaced a staff member and not gotten someone better. You know, my business partner, Robbie Haddad, says this a lot, right? And he says that the challenge with having an underperforming team member is that what happens is all the pressure goes on to those that are performing. Correct. And what we end up doing by trying to look after an underperforming team member is we're actually punishing yep. the good performers. Yep. 
and say, he goes, we've got to be ruthless, Jay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sort of a people first guy and Rob's more of the processes and systems yeah. first. And, you know, my way's not the right way and his way's not the right way. But somewhere it's in the, the middle. middle. 100%. It's somewhere in the middle. And, yeah. I, and I've really learned a lot, even today in conversations and listening to you, you reinforcing that message. I think, I think you know, evaluate staff collectively and individually, but look at what are they doing outside of the realm, outside of the box, to, to set them apart, are they doing anything or are they just doing what they're being paid to do? Mm. Because if they lay blame and justify at any any um, you know any problem, oh, there's a problem. Oh, it wasn't me. Oh, he should have done it. I didn't know. No, that's not. Anyone that lay blames and justifies, as soon as I see that trade in them, I'm going to try and manage them out of my business. Yeah, or because they front go, kick or something like that. Well, what's your getting? Was that roundhouse? Is everyone so doing the, the right? The thing with owning a fight, gym is you can punch people up and say, you did it in sparring. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were training. A big Superman <laughs> punch, training. you know, Brian? No, hey, no. Mark, look, I'm getting really excited and nervous. Uh, before we finish up, I'll just take a couple of quick questions if I can. Uh, tell me this, what role uh, does your accountant play in, in, in helping oh, you with your business? Look, I, I've got to say... You know, it's it's just the advisory role. It's it's you know, there's things about the financial world that I'm not. You can't be au fait with everything. You know, a good friend of mine, um, uh, Nick Kenos, he uh, he started a company called Kenman Candy, which sold sold off to uh, Mars Corporation some years back. And then he was he used to manage fighters and so forth. And I remember sitting in the boardroom at his office, and he goes, "You can't you can't know everything in your business." But you can employ people that do, yeah. And that, you know, you leave you leave those those jobs to the experts. And that's with the accounting. It's like I'm a very loyal person. So I was with an accounting firm for a long time out of loyalty. Mm. And it wasn't until I started working with the practice that I, you know, there was a lot of things that that were fell short in my financial the financial side of my business that are now been addressed. And I'm very thankful for that. And but it would have made so much of a bigger difference if I would have jump ship longer but you know that's a case of loyalty probably not being the best course of action um so what role do they play they're, they're, they're a confidant they're a supporter they're a safety net they're they're um, a communication tool because you know when you feel like you're doing it so hard on your own they can bring you without without sharing you know breaking co- client confidentiality but they can say listen you know this business you know mm. these businesses are being challenged also yeah I, I mean I'm lucky you know we talked I talked to the other gym owners and and I look outside hospitality you know talk to them with, about staff issues and about you know financial challenges of this year have been uh, insurmountable the, the, the amount of stress we have mm. but we'll get through it and and the strong will survive and all of that mm. um, and the the accountants and your bookkeepers and your financial people, if you're not financially minded, it's it's critical that you have a good relationship with them. But moreover, that they talk to you in real terms. Yeah. Because there's some accountants that will talk to you in financial terms and that's not, you know. The, that's like not the you, language you speak. Like when, you teach, when I teach martial arts, there's people that will learn visually, audio and by doing. Yeah. So you, you have to understand in any, in any business, you know, if you're going to sell something to someone, and you're going to, or you're going to, you're going to cater to someone's business. For, identify what mode of communication engages that client, engages that person. Yeah, so, so then you can communicate 
correctly to them on their level. So so true. I, I so, yeah, and, and and I think with with the, you know the practice of guys, you you guys understand me. You know you know spread. You can bring me twenty spreadsheets. I'm gonna go. Just I'm gonna get an accountant to tell me what you're telling. <laughs> me. So you know I get it. I, I've got a basic understanding, but my business is what I know is running my business. What what I want you guys to do is tell me the, on the financial side what I need to do. Uh, you, you know, you I've entrusted my business in you, you know, with you. So Mark, I, trust me, we're know. too scared to fuck your stuff up. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but that, 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 that goes that's across. You know, that yeah. goes in any business. Mark, you know? look, I, I I've probably given that joke a fair bit of a run, and it probably needs to end about now. I, <laughs> Mark, I I want to finish up by saying um, thank you for your graciousness. No um, problem. Thank you for your humility uh, and 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 the fact that you've been so generous sharing your nuggets and your gifts with the rest of our listeners. And I tell you what, there's a lot to take out of what you've had to say. Um, you know, a lot of people that were faced with that upbringing and looking at that black dog hanging on your shoulder when you were yeah. 19, 20 years old could have gone one or two ways. And, and I thank you for being so vulnerable to share that with us because yeah. I know a lot of people yeah. have been through that. Mate, you're a good man. I enjoy watching you on, uh, on Fox Sports, thank uh, you. The Hammer. I <laughs> um, enjoy having you as a client of ours. And I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank Mark you so the much. Hammer Castanini, thank you, sir. Thank you for your time and, uh, yeah, thank you for letting me speak. And I, I always love to share my experiences. It may fit with some people, may not. But, yeah, if anyone out there is doing it hard, you know, there's a saying, one, one last, you can take any amount of pain as long as you know it's going to end. And, you know, that was, that's really the story this year. We've all gone through a lot of pain and a lot of hardship, but it ends and whether it means another chapter is going to kick off and you'll, you'll find something different to do, or you just reinvent yourself and go forward you know, with renewed energy in, uh, in the new year. Just do, do, do your best. That's all we can do in this life. Mate, this is the eighth podcast we've recorded, right? Eighth that's going to go to air. And we have had thought leaders and mindset people. We have never got any as many fucking quotes from the hammer that we've got from everyone. Mark, thanks very much, mate. Now, if we want to find out more, we go to hammersgym.com.au. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. this is my social media too. Mark yeah. Hammer Castanini on Insta or on uh, Facebook. Uh, there's Hammers Gym. We've got the website. Hopefully, um, I've redone that. It's going to be launched in uh, by the time this airs. So, and I'm also running uh, a charity event for Thailand. So, you know, there's no job keeper, job job uh, seeker in Thailand. So, this weekend we're running a a big event. Um, hopefully, raising money, and uh, we're going to send it over to the food kitchens and direct to the families in Thailand of the coaches and the trainers and the fighters that are in need now. So. You know, well, we think we got it bad. Trust me, there's people around the world that have got it way worse. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, appreciate every day and everything we've got. Like, Australia's a great place. Look at Melbourne. Look at the view out of this office. How can you, how can you uh, worry about life? You know? Oh, look, to, uh, on, a, on, a, on a brighter note, it would want to be a fucking good view with the amount of rent we're paying here. All right, Hammer, thanks Thank very you. much, pal. Thank Bye, you. mate.